Bad news on my TV screen, bad news on the magazines, bad news on the newspaper, bad news on the elevator, bad news on the street, bad news on my car, bad news on my feet, bad news out of the bar. Well, good afternoon. This is the local coronavirus update here on KZYX, our twice or three times weekly update for you on local coronavirus news. This is Alicia Bales in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. Hey, Drew. Hello, Alicia. How's your Monday going? Well, I'm a little punchy. I've worked five in a row. So. Okay, yeah. that explains it. Yeah. So you'll get the unvarnished opinions In for today. a good show today, folks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's get started. We're going to give just some latest numbers on what's going on locally and statewide, which there is some state statewide news. Uh, and then we're going to open up the phone lines for your calls. The number here in the studio is 895-2448. That's 707-895-2448. Give us a couple minutes to give you the updates, and then we'll, we'll go ahead and take your calls. What you got for us? Well, first the numbers. Um, we have added... Slightly over 100 cases since last Wednesday's show, up to 3,277 confirmed COVID cases in the county of Mendocino. We're adding about 22 a day. Uh, Unfortunately, over the weekend, we had four more COVID deaths, bringing our county count up to 36 people succumbing to COVID. Uh, Those individuals, those four individuals were quite elderly. Um, Hospital utilization continues to be pretty high. We have 15 people in the county hospitalized, one in the ICU. Um, And, you know, the numbers are coming down a little bit. We have slightly over 400 people in isolation and quarantine, which is good. Yeah, wasn't our peak 700 or something It was, like that? yeah, it was around high 600, 700 maybe for a few days. Mm-hmm. So improving. Um, California is down about 40%. Um, they're running seven-day average in terms of new cases. So we were up around 40,000, and we're now running around 20, slightly over 20,000. Only 20,000 new COVID cases in California a day. Um, hospitalization is finally dropping down about 10% over the last week, which is really sort of the... The good sign, um, but you know California has had thirty-seven thousand deaths, and today the governor decided everything's fine to open back up. Um, just an astonishingly craven decision um, by by him. It really, it, it. I feel like we're back in July all over again. I, I we I thought learned our lesson, but people's memory is. I guess short. So you know, in the combination of a sort of a staggering vaccine rollout um staggering well, meaning people are staggering yes yes exactly <laughs> it's literally not staggeringly staggering. great no it's it's like yes sorry uh, and uh you know potentially a new more virulent uh strain that is more infectious um it's certainly not the time to be relaxing um our covid rules but so we go, and thus we're going to see a surge again in March. Um, thus, just... you know, it's going to scuttle any plans at opening schools when people, oh. more people start dying again. It is just incredibly stupid, misguided, uh, and really, frankly, not based on science or any policy other than trying to, I guess, forestall a recall effort. But at this point, I would, frank, frankly, sign that petition. Can you back up just a step for people who don't, cover the news obsessively and explain what happened today 
Well, I don't have the backstory, but much of California has been under a shelter-in-place order. Um, we've actually avoided it because our numbers have been fairly good both in this county and in the adjoining counties but most of california has not avoided it because they've been seeing numbers you know 80 90 130 150 new cases um per day per hundred thousand and you know newsom weeks ago issued a shelter in place order and now just today he's rolling it back without Really, the data is suggesting that that should be done. So it's not like ICUs got to 15% availability? No, no, that hasn't, nope, that hasn't this, happened. It's just sort of he does, he woke up today and decided? I'm sure it was You're more complex sure. than that, <laughs> yeah. I have one hopes, but, you know, I, I think it's all driven by politics rather than science. Disappointing, to say the least. Speaking of disappointments, um, the county of Mendocino is still not publishing how many COVID tests we are running a day. So I would urge you to call your supervisors. Call the public health COVID hotline. I will give you that number. That line is 472-2759. Call them, complain, because if we don't know how many COVID tests we're doing in this county per day, we don't know how much COVID we have in this county per day. So I don't know if it's an act of paternalism or incompetence. I don't know if it's a decision that's being made at the county level or the state level, but it is inexcusable and needs to end. We need that data. We need it publicly available. So make your voices heard. All right, what else do I have? B117, more bad data coming out on that. Britain on Friday afternoon dumped some data suggesting it might be up to 30% more deadly than the typical COVID strains, which is a good reason to not lift shelter in place. We know it's in this country. We don't really know how much or where it is because we don't have a competent surveillance program looking at um, RNA sequencing of the various strains that are spreading around the country. But it's here, and it will eventually um, exert its evolutionarily, evolutionary superiority and become the dominant strain probably over the course of the next six to eight weeks. We already knew it was more transmissible, um, but this data, it's still not certain, but there is you know, a lot of data pointing to the fact that it might be up to 25 to 30% more deadly as well you mean for individuals because obviously if there's more transmission there's going to be more death yeah so the right so the the mortality rate from people who are infected with this virus appears to be significantly higher um than the um currently dominant strain so that may be borne out but it is certainly giving a lot of people pause There's also a strain in South Africa, which is probably here, which is apparently a bit more resistant to the vaccines. Um, So more bad news there. Um, I suspect that that strain is also already in this country. It's it's not like this pandemic has any um, containment in any form whatsoever. So Moderna and um, Pfizer are both tweaking their vaccine and the possibility that they may need to roll out a slightly different version. We'll see how quickly they can get that um, into production or whether it needs to be done. But that's that, I think, bespeaks the level of concern that people have about these new strains. Does that mean that there are that there are two versions now that yeah, there's one in get South both vaccin- vaccines? No, it would be it would be a sort of a a up-to-date version, an updated version. So the Moderna 2.1 would be the, the new would, vaccine. That would cover all yes. versions yeah. of the coronavirus. And, and all people oh. who are already vaccinated would not need to be re-vaccinated. Um, at least that's not 
anything that I anticipate happening anytime soon. Other news, um, the CDC, without really any scientific um, basis, decided that in some circumstances, it's okay to mix and match your vaccines. Really? Yeah. So they, they don't recommend it, but they say it's okay to do it if you need to. Um, and they also, without really any data, suggested that it would be okay to push your second booster shot out two weeks. This is all really in the complete absence of any studies or trials or any good data. It's sort of based on what we hope or think might work. So worrisome, yes. What would a trial look like to test the whether or not you can push the vaccine out two weeks past the would, second, or or, or if, whether you can mix and match? You would need to um, do a comparison group and double-blinded placebo-controlled, sort of the same way that the initial vaccines were tested. Um, and, you know, the vaccines were initially tested with various doses and various intervals, and they determined what worked best, and then they did that in a bigger trial. So this is... This is obviously completely untested um, and wouldn't be tested in any timely fashion because it would take quite a while to get that up and running and people enrolled. You really are just. Oh, yeah, no, I'm. Yeah, good news five today. nights in a row, man, will make you feel grouchy. <laughs> yeah. What else do I have? How were things at the hospital this weekend? It was, it was okay, you know, full, um, but not chaotic. I, that, that's probably as far as I would go. Are, are your colleagues feeling better now that everybody's vaccine vaccinated? You know, I, yes, yes. We're all just ready for this, like everybody, to be over. The, the strain is starting to show a is little it? bit. Um, but yes, we are we're doing well, and the hospitals, you know, it's it's calm, um, but it's you know it's pretty much at capacity. Um, and, you know, most surrounding hospitals are also at capacity. So there's not a lot of transfer capabilities even yet, even though the numbers are improving. Well, let's see. I have a little bit of news, which is that we got word from the county yesterday, I think, that they have announced a vaccine event for people who received their first dose of the Pfizer vaccine on January 6th or 7th. So, And they've actually got the website for making appointments up and running. I checked it right yeah. before we got on the air, and there were still some openings available. And it's for people who received their first Pfizer vaccine on either January 6th or January 7th at the Redwood Empire Fairgrounds in Ukiah. This is a vaccine event for the second dose. So that's going to be Wednesday, January 27th from 9 to 4 by appointment at the fairgrounds. And you can make your appointment by visiting the county's vaccine scheduling page on the um, county website. And it's you go to the COVID-19 information and then you go to the vaccine um, link there on the left hand side. And it has some scheduling scheduling software there for you to fill in and, and get your appointment for that. So that's progress. Yes, no, it's it's very good. And, you know, we're still dealing with a state that really can't tell us when more vaccines coming in, which, you know, the county's sort of stuck with dealing with, as are all the local health centers. And that that's, that's not anything that we have control over. That just bespeaks complete incompetence at the federal and state level. Yeah, and we're all hoping that the Biden administration is going to do something to unleash more of this vaccine to the states. Well, yeah. 
It's. I'm not even going to try to get anything positive out of you today. It's just going to take a while. It'll take a while to turn things around. I'll just say that. All right. Uh, The other thing I wanted to mention was that um, we did, like you said, have four deaths over the weekend. On Friday, a 97-year-old man from Ukiah. Uh, On Saturday, there were two, uh, a 90-year-old woman from Ukiah and and a 94-year-old woman from Ukiah. And on Sunday, a 77-year-old man from Ukiah. So I just wanted to take a moment to just acknowledge that and and just to, you know, keep them in our thoughts and in our hearts. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, the numbers are staggering. We're 420,000 U.S. deaths at this point from this oh, pandemic in almost exactly one year. I think the first COVID case was 367 days ago in the U.S., so, or at least the first identified COVID case. So it's just it's just a staggering toll at this point. All right. You got anything else or should we open up the phone? I, the only other thing I was going to mention, you know, back in December, I think I talked about this Johnson & Johnson uh, vaccine that's supposed to be coming to some completion. I don't, frankly, really know what happened. It seems to be missing in action at this point. Um, so I don't know if they have problems with their data or if they're just taking a long time to analyze it. But in my analysis, they should have completed their uh, phase three trial by now. So that's worrisome because they had at least it's, uh, talked about having capacity to produce millions, um, if not a billion doses over the course of six to eight months. Um, so that that relief is still a bit slow in coming. And that one's supposed to be a single dose vaccine. That's that's the hope. Uh-huh. Yeah, and and quite a bit more stable as well. All right. The phone numbers here are eight nine five two. Or it's just one phone number eight nine five two four four eight seven zero seven eight nine five two four four eight. We're going to go ahead and take our first call. You ready? I'm ready. Good afternoon, caller. You are live on the air. Hi. Uh, yeah, I have two questions. Uh, first one: Can you be a carrier of the virus if you've been fully vaccinated? Can you shed it to other people? And the other one is. Um, personal my uh, daughter and son-in-law want to come up and visit me my son-in-law will have been vaccinated because he's over 65 but my daughter wouldn't can she get vaccinated here in this county okay so the answer to your first question is we really don't know the data on that yet Uh, we know the vaccines are quite effective you know on the order of 95 percent reduction in um, the incidence of COVID. So I think the answer ultimately is going to be, yes, you can shed the virus even if you have been vaccinated because 5% of the people are not going to get the protection um, from the vaccine and will get COVID. They might not be symptomatic, but they will get COVID and I think they will probably shed it. We don't know that yet, but that is why we are still recommending everybody who's fully vaccinated still needs to follow the COVID rules because the science points toward the conclusion that some of those people, albeit a much, much reduced number, um, will still be shedding the virus, whether they're symptomatic or not. So I'm sorry um, to sort of put the kibosh on a visit. And then the second question about people coming in from out of county to get the vaccine in this county, um, I don't think that that's going to happen, frankly. It's, it's, uh, it, there's just 
too much demand and too too little vaccine to go around um, and even if the person were to qualify for the vaccine under some of the some of the tiered system that we're still using um, yeah. I think it's going to be a question of address and um, place of residence so if they both get vaccinated and uh, have both of their shots and they come up to visit me and I've already had both of my shots are we all perfectly safe well, if you're fully vaccinated, and they're all fully vaccinated, and when I say fully vaccinated, I'm talking, you know, two weeks after your booster shot, that's kind of when you reach maximum immunity, then I'm not going to say you're perfectly safe, but your risk of getting COVID and getting sick from it, um, which is to say getting hospitalized or getting really acutely ill, is substantially reduced. We're talking, you know, 95, maybe even higher percentage of reduction. Um, so, Perfectly safe? No, but reasonably safe? Well, that's a personal decision that you would have to make with, with your family members. Okay, good. All right, well, thank you very much. All mm-hmm. right, thanks for the call. Bye. Do you want to go ahead and take one of the emails? Sure. So we have an email question asking about interstate travel restrictions. Well, there, there are none. Um, and is cross-country travel by car allowed? Yes, but... It's certainly not a good idea. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it, you know, obviously, if people need to travel somewhere for something, traveling by personal vehicle is probably safer than flying. Um, but it should really only occur in the most dire circumstances. This is not the time to be taking road trips. Um, and it would violate up until today, I guess, California's shelter-in-place laws, depending on your location. But states east of us really are much more relaxed in their uh, in their in their restrictions all right let's take one more of those emails okay so i have a question about whether at home rapid paper antigen tests could play a role in public health surveillance um and whether that would play a role in reducing COVID transmission. I don't think it would play a role in reducing COVID transmission because all it would do is tell um one, whether you had previously had COVID, presuming that you have a fast and accurate and cheap antigen test, which really has not yet been deployed. Um, it might help guide um, public health in assessing the level of exposure in our community, um, but that still wouldn't really give us any sense of where we are in terms of achieving the you know, the mythical herd immunity. Um, and that's, that's really what antigen testing would be helpful for, is getting a sense you know, regionally or nationally of how many people have had COVID. We don't have a good handle on that. We know the national count is some 20 2 million or 25 million it's probably a factor of four or five of that at this point um but that's still a long way from the herd immunity and i should say that you know we talk about herd immunity and people bat about a number of 75 or 80 or 85 percent um it, you know fauci keeps pushing the <laughs> pushing the number higher it's not like we reach that threshold and it's simply um, goes away as we get a higher level of people immunized and as more people survive covid the rate of transmission will start to fall because there are going to be fewer fewer fresh bodies for it to um, infect and that's just going to be a simple question of mathematical modeling but it will start to translate in falling transmission rates uh, falling um, 
are not values, if you will, um, which will mean that we will start to see a downward trend as we get more and more people vaccinated, even if they're only vaccinated with a single dose, because we do know that a single dose uh, is going to reduce the incidence of COVID. But we're not anywhere near seeing that yet, are we? We're not yet, but I think we will start seeing it as we get towards numbers of 15 to 20 percent of the population vaccinated and if we're talking 15 to 20 percent of the population already infected uh, then that that's a substantial amount not herd immunity it'll still be amongst us but it will start to become less spiky if you will all right this is the local coronavirus update here on kzyx i'm alicia bales in the studio with dr drew colfax and we have another caller on the line are you still there caller yes hi go ahead you're live on the air hi um I, I, uh, my husband got the, uh, the vaccine under very strange circumstances, and I just wanted to report that. And, um, I got injured. He had to take me to radiology and wait for me. And he, he, this is in, at Howard Hospital. And he, instead of waiting, he went out to look at the artwork, beautiful artwork in the hallways. And right across the way, they were doing vaccines, right across from... The, the waiting area for uh, x-rays. And he walked in, and they gave him, I mean, he just, it was his 75th birthday that day. But the, he just got a vaccine right away. Well, so I, 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 I wish that were the, the experience of everybody. Happy I mean, birthday. <laughs> I know. I'm, and so then later I was in other parts of the hospital, and people were coming into the office um, to, not the hospital, but back to my doctor's office. And while I was waiting, a couple of different people came in at different times and were saying, do you give any vaccines here? Can I get a vaccine here? And I said, well, you might try walking over to Howard Hospital to the x-ray and see if they'll take you. Anyway, it was <laughs> kind of strange, I thought. Uh, and then just one other thing I want to insert. I think I wish that there was more talk about people's general health and their lifestyles. No matter what kind, even if it doesn't prevent the virus, it helps your body um, deal with whatever comes in. And so, you know, people need to change their diets and think about how, what they're putting in their bodies that might be um, having a negative impact on whatever they get. No, I agree. And, I, you know, we've talked a bit about managing stress and getting exercise and trying to generally be healthy. Um, Stop eating fast food. Sorry. <laughs> okay, I'm feeling personally attacked now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, thank you for your call. Um, interesting anecdote about being yeah, at the right place really? at the right time. Yeah. No, I know. Well, he, has a, he has a skill at that. Yeah. That just kind of happens for him for whatever reason. <laughs> All right. Thanks for that story. <laughs> Thank you. So anyway. Great. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Good afternoon, caller. You are live on the air. Yeah. Hey. Um, I want to talk about the uh, Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Sure. So is the fact that the uh, Moderna and uh, uh, Pfizer vaccines have proven successful, is it because of a patent that Johnson & Johnson is unable to... Uh, you know, use some of the data they use to create a successful vaccine, or is it because of the RNA, uh, you know, different way to create a vaccine that they're using? 
Yeah, so that's a good question. I, I think what you're asking is, why isn't Johnson Johnson just manufacturing either the Pfizer or the Moderna vaccine or, or any well, other? yeah, if we're trying to get vaccines in arms, and right. it seems better to just yeah. no, it, it, produce it, it, a billion vaccines a year, or, you know, then, then they, should have the, they should have the ingredients. Yes, that's, that's exactly right. And, and the reason is, um, uh, as you point out, it's a question of... Um, patent and well, money. Um, and so it's just, it's just all total BS. Yes, I mean, we're losing trillions of dollars, and it's a patent infringement that we're worried about. That's that's correct. There, you know, the well, then, Paul, we got to call our representatives. That's ridiculous. That's a straight line to uh, to to you know, sunnier future, and, and uh, it's absolutely outrageous. Yeah, no, that, I, you really think that that's the dam that's holding back the, a successful uh, return to somewhat normalcy, then this is, this is outrageous. Well, it is, and, and frankly, this is a problem that, you know, the seed was planted back in the spring when these drug companies started developing their vaccine trials. You know, each of them should have developed or been required to develop cross-competency to, de- to produce whichever vaccine uh, proved to be effective earliest, and that didn't happen. That was the lack of any sort of, you know, vaccine um, planning and control from the federal government. It's now a problem because you can't simply throw a switch and start producing the Moderna or the Pfizer vaccine if your facility is set up to produce an entirely different kind of vaccine. So it's not like we can call Johnson and Johnson or compel them to start churning out a billion doses of the Pfizer vaccine when they are in the midst of building the infrastructure to roll out an adenovirus vaccine. It's a different sort of system in place in terms of manufacturing. But at, at, at what point do you put the tourniquet on and have to completely change the uh, manufacturing process oh. if they're not especially able to turn out a, a new sort of, you know, a, I, an old, I, right? And, yeah, I agree. No, and, and it's been a point that I've raised in the past. And, you know, all these vaccine manufacturers should be uh, manufacturing the current uh, validated vaccines full tilt, and they're not. They're really just coming out of the Pfizer um, factory. Well, then and- it, it's ridiculous that Biden is talking about a Buy America initiative today, and yet we're leaving manufacturing floors of vaccine, you know, warehouses empty because they're waiting on a on on creating a new substance. Yes, yes, and a lot of people have made the point that intellectual. Um, uh, trademark should be suspended in the production of vaccines and that hasn't happened it didn't happen during the trump administration and i don't hear it gaining a lot of traction in the biden administration but good point good reason to be outraged you make me sound like the calm one today so i, I appreciate know. that i know dare i yeah. ask dare i ask isn't it good to have more than two vaccines it is good. I mean, the more vaccines we have, the better. Um, it's just that we only have two right now that have gone through um, all the clinical trials and the approval process. The AstraZeneca one is hung up, um, at least in this country, and I don't know when they're going to get unstuck. Um, I'm starting to think that they're waiting for more clinical data to um, be compiled. But yes, the more vaccines, the better. But we have two that work, and we have a lot of vaccine production facilities in this country that may or may not be making the Johnson and Johnson vaccine as we sit here. I don't know, but right now in this country we're getting 15 million plus or minus uh, vaccines um, produced by the two companies on a weekly basis. 
Not right. enough. Well, hang in there, big guy, and thanks so much for your sage guidance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just stay safe, you know. Right. Make the calls if it makes you feel better, but I wouldn't hold your breath. Thank you. Big guy. Yeah, well, that's me. Yeah. Hello, caller. You are live on the air. Hi. I would like to know how the adenovirus, like, what is it? How does it work differently than uh, um, messenger RNA virus? I mean, not virus, but vaccine. And um, does it require preservatives and the toxic metals like the traditional vaccines did? And any other information that I don't know enough to ask about? Thank sure, you. Sure. So I, I actually don't know how it's going to be preserved yet. I, I haven't seen that because, well, it hasn't gone through all of its clinical trials yet. Um, but it is it is a what we call an adenovirus type of vaccine in which um, the virus, the adenovirus, which is basically a cold type of virus, um, is modified and um, tricked into producing a protein that resembles um, the coronavirus um, spike that we all are so familiar with. Um, and so then that um, is injected in the form of the vaccine, which then triggers immune response. Um, a little bit different from the mRNA ones, which trick the body into manufacturing that protein within your own body's cell and thus triggering immune response. It's all kind of, you know, the 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 immunology of it and the molecular biology of it can get pretty intricate and certainly more than I could get into on the air and frankly much more than I could even frankly understand um, even as a physician. Um, I'm not a virologist, I'm not a research biologist, but in the end, um, you know, the real question is, does it work? Is it safe? And is it effective? Um, and we just don't know the answer yet on the Johnson & Johnson. I suspect, um, as to your latter point about the heavy metals that this will not have and I'm, I'm sure it won't have any heavy metals to preserve it that has been completely abandoned um, in all vaccines it may have a preservative in it I don't know about its stability yet I haven't looked into that and and that's kind of the more traditional way of making vaccines it is this is this is a way that has been used in other vaccines all right you want to take one more sure Okay, let's see what awaits us this time. Hello, caller. You are live on the air. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm reading online that Johnson & Johnson, or actually Fauci said that Johnson & Johnson will have um, um, its vaccine approved within two weeks, and they expect to have 100 million doses available by April. Yeah, obviously they're in the middle of making it now too. Yeah, I, I think they're manufacturing. I just their their phase three trial should have been. I, I, I just a long delay in getting that out, and I'm not sure why. But yeah, if Fauci's saying that it's going to be two weeks, you know, I I believe Fauci on this. That's that's encouraging. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. All right, thanks for that. One more. Sure, that was quick. Yeah. All right. Well, that was it. Oh, no, there's uh, one more. Uh, yeah. okay. They called back. <laughs> Hello, caller. You are live on the air. Yes. Uh, I had a question about, um, uh, well, I had a vaccine on January 4th, the first one, and I've been fine. But now I'm, I'm, I have a sore throat and, you know, I'm a little worried. Anyway, I went and got a test. So I'm today. And so I'm just wondering... How does that work if you've um, already had one vaccine and then you have symptoms? Does that, af number one, does it affect any test results if you've already had the vaccine, the first dose? And I guess that's my main question. Test, it would I, I, I presume you're talking about a COVID test. 
Yes. Yeah, yes. no, this this will this would not um cause a false positive COVID test. Um so that that's not a problem there. And I I, I infer from your question that your other concern perhaps may be are you gonna still get your second shot? And the answer to that is yes. It's it's perfectly okay even if you have some sort of you know viral symptomology to get the booster shot in the scheduled interval. Okay. Um thank you so much. Mm-hmm. All right, good question, caller. Um, I know a lot of people are wondering that. So, okay, that's going to do it for today. Good. Thanks, Dr. Colfax. I will be back soon, although perhaps not Wednesday. Not Wednesday. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll We'll figure that out. We'll have a sub. We'll keep you posted, listeners, about... um, We'll still be here for the local coronavirus update on Wednesday, but I think Dr. Colfax won't be joining us. But you'll be back next Monday. Yes. Okay, so we'll look forward to that. And in the meantime, I have a programming note, as usual... In about 20 minutes or so, um, the House of Representatives is formally transmitting the article of impeachment against Donald Trump to the Senate, and we are going to carry that live. So at 3.50, we'll be airing special coverage live from Washington, D.C. of the transmission of the article of impeachment uh, against Donald Trump to the Senate, setting the stage for the trial in, in the Senate in the week of February 8th. So you can either listen here. We're going to carry it live on the radio, but we also have a link on our website where you can watch it. Uh, there's going to be a ceremony or, or proceedings, uh, and you can see that at kzyx.org. So that'll be from 3.50 to we're expecting it to not go more than 10, 15 minutes. So we're going to we're going to carry that live just to keep you posted. So this has been the local coronavirus update. I'm Alicia Bales in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. Thanks so much again. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you, callers. Great questions, as usual, and we will be back on Wednesday, or at least... You will be. Something will happen. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be good. You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYXMZ Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. This podcast is made possible by funding from the Mask Awareness Project of North Coast Opportunities. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.